In every dream home a heartache And every step I take Takes me further from heaven Is there a heaven? I'd like to think so Listen up, listen carefully. I've been to one of their meetings. It was above a convenience store. Who's meeting? Where have you been? Jeffries, you've been gone damn near two years. It was a dream. We lived inside a dream. You blew my mind. <laughs> And we're back. I'm Murphy. Uh, Tom, are you still out there? Happy anniversary, Brother Ben. Well, happy anniversary, Brother Jer. It's been a year, right, since the premiere of The Return. Yes, one year. One year later. How do you feel? It seemed like twice as long. It seems like it's been two years. <laughs> <laughs> are we ever going to get out of the lodge? <laughs> I think we're permanently stuck in the we're, lodge. We're in here. Yeah, we're trapped yeah. in the lodge. We're trapped in this podcast. Well, on this year anniversary, what, are, what do you want to talk about? Well, we've talked a lot about... Uh, we recently. solved it, right? We solved the whole thing, right? Well, I think... What else is to, to talk about? I mean, I think we think we've kind of solved it, but <laughs> we're not right. Of course no, we're not right. We've not no, we've We're it completely yet. wrong, but uh, I think we came up with an interesting uh, theory, I thought, the last podcast we did that wasn't a series rewind. But uh, no, there's still so much. I was just rewatching part 15 again, which is just an incredible uh, episode. I just love the, the contrast of that opening with Nadine giving Big Ed his freedom, going to Norma and that classic emotional scene between Norma and Big Ed and the Otis Redding and all is right in the world. It's a great emotional scene. And then you contrast that with the following scene of Mr. C driving towards the convenience store. Just really kind of sums up Twin Peaks, the duality um, in those, those two scenes, the, just the emotional high and the complete like dread that follows. Yeah, like the electrical poles that lead into Twin Peaks, the dread is the is that scene and the convenience store, right? Is that are you getting around to that's what's going to be our topic? Yeah, we're going to yeah. That was <laughs> you didn't answer my question. No, I I never really answer your questions. Now do I? I just go no, off on my little no, tangents yeah. down rabbit holes. Yeah. No, I think what uh, we're going to really kind of dive into is the convenience store. We've talked a lot about it in bits and pieces, but um, there's some things that uh, we came up with recently that we would really want to kind of dive into. Um, and kind of focus in on that. But I know that you always, when we're recording, you'll put on a uh, Twin Peaks episode in, in the background. And sometimes you'll do the first season, second season. I don't know if you've done Fire Walk with me, the third season you do. But what episode are you watching tonight? Uh, I'm actually watching season one, episode six. And I, I just noticed that like going into Shelly, uh, when Andy comes to see Shelly, I think there's like a portrait of Dennis Hopper from Easy Rider on the wall. And it makes me wonder <laughs> if like Leo... Is a painter in his spare time because it looks like that, that's something he might be doing. Like he likes to be on the road, 
you know, maybe he thinks he's one of the Hopper gang when he's driving that that hog or that uh, trailer tractor trailer around all, all the country. Big Pussycat, right? Isn't yeah. that the name of his? Is that uh, it is? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's Big Pussycat. Yeah. So in his spare time, when he's uh, uh, sucking down the creme de menthe and uh, smoking cigarettes, he's uh, he's uh, doing a little uh, painting on the side. That's his little I hobby. Know. I right? would like maybe they cut that scene out. But I would have liked that. Would have given him some That'd heart. Be great. Yeah, a little it's insight a into Leo Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if there's any other interesting paintings within uh, the Johnson home. He's, is he dead? Because if he was still alive and like in a rehab, that could be something that he could spend his time doing. He could still maybe paint. That's true. Because <laughs> that's where life. he would be, right? He yeah. would either be in jail yeah. or some kind of institution of some sort. And I would love to see him with his like drool and new shoes, like just painting, like pictures just from Easy Rider, though. I think I would imagine him right. painting with like the the brush between his teeth, and it's like when he was holding the tarantulas. It's just very awkward. And he's holding it rigidly. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that that's interesting too because w- the information that we get from the Frost tomes, the secret history, and the final dossier, he goes into the backstory and even in the final dossier, what happened to some of the characters that weren't, you know, discussed or shown in season three. And Leo Johnson was killed and you know right after the events of the second series uh that's right by mr c presumably right because it's correct yeah but i mean that's just frost i mean that's his i mean i'm sure you know it's all good and you know valid to a point or whatever but i like the notion that the characters some of the characters that we didn't get in in season three that they still might be alive out there somewhere we got no mention of annie we got an answer in frost book leo's another example dick tremaine who's not a huge character but uh, i still think dick tremaine is actual father of wally brando what do you think about that i think that i could see some style although i see some andy in him too so that would i need to i need the dna test to be for sure <laughs> but don't you think Maybe it could be both be... could be both what, two, uh, I'm a whole damn town? Two whole damn towns yeah, swimming two, into yeah, two Lucy? Towns. <laughs> Sarah, know. it takes two towns to make a, make a Sarah, a Wally. Okay, so we're going to jump into the convenience store. Sarah is a good uh, uh, jumping uh, point into the convenience store um, and tied into what we're just discussing with Frost's books, basically, because he confirms in the final dossier basically that Sarah was possessed by that uh, um, that that frog moth in in part eight, and even says her middle name is is Judith Judy. But um, did he actually say though specifically that like the frog moth entered her mouth? Like, or was that just like she was born down there when she was a kid? But we we're supposed to make the connection that she's what, the girl. I, I thought wasn't it? Now it's been so long since I've read the book, and we were talking about just another bit. Um, if there's a noise on here, it's my dog like thumping on the uh, floor. I can hear that actually. Himself. Get him out of there. Get him yeah, out. He oh. was yeah. Sorry, He's Bruce. Bruce made his cameo on on our podcast, but uh, <laughs> um, I can't remember exactly if he said that there were. Uh, no, he did. Didn't he say there were reports of multiple people like going to the hospital that night? But he didn't attribute it to like bug infestation. Did he say like, Sarah went to the hospital that night? I think so. Yeah, that she parents, lost consciousness in the whole. Okay, so I that, think that so. But okay. you know, maybe I'm, I'm I'm making that up or whatever. But but I like to d- differentiate uh, the book from the series. And we've talked about that uh, section in part eight with uh, the young girl and, and the bug, maybe being a, a metaphor for the, uh, the, the lost innocence 
of, of youth, you know, because coming from the atomic explosion, the Trinity test in 1945 and seeing the experiment and Bob and the convenience store and everything like that, that that was the direct result. And there being many other bugs and what we're seeing is, you know, like not a, a, the children of Judy as an army taking over the world, but basically a corruption of kind of youth. And it kind of fits in with the duality theme of Twin Peaks and namely Laura Palmer herself, who really kind of embodies that that light and the dark. But but the problem that I've always had with Sarah, if she's had this bug in her since 1956, are the events of the, you know, the first two seasons. Um, there's a complete contrast <laughs> of her smashing her daughter's homecoming photo and wailing and moaning and everything with someone who is genuinely grief stricken. Um, she, I don't think she was complicit in, in Leland Bob's uh, molestation of, of Laura, but I definitely think she knew and she, she hit it and her sequestered So wouldn't it. that make her complicit in a way? Oh, I Isn't that the definition of complicity, yeah. I'm not very bright, Murph. I just, yeah. I'm not. So I, I throw words out there and I really don't know she what She was passively complicit. So she knew what was going on, but she denied it. She was in denial about it. That's why you're the accredited scholar of the Chopping Wood Inside podcast. And I'm just some sidekick. I thought I was the unaccredited wood. scholar. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you are, yeah. See, I couldn't even get that one right. Um, but okay, so even though the painting, that, uh, that iconic painting from Firewalk with Me of uh, the interior of what we you know, what came to be known as the, uh, uh, the convenience store in Laura's room was a, a portal and she went in and we didn't have any uh, mention or reference to that in season three. But since Firewalk With Me itself was such a prominent, uh, played up such a prominent, you know, uh, role, not a role, but, you know, was, was prominent in season three that connecting the dots that, that painting still existed and somewhere in the intervening <laughs> 25 years that painting had an influence and maybe as a portal the jumping man who we saw in the original convenience store meeting room uh, meeting place in Firewalk with me in, uh, uh, possessed Sarah Palmer that way and that's why she is the way that you know the, why we see her taking off her face and killing truck use and everything like that that makes more sense to me than just having the bug and just saying that she always was possessed by uh, this, this, you know, this, well, by Judy, per se. Well, maybe she had the latent Judy bug in her as a child, but then when Mrs. Tremont gave that painting to Laura and they hung it in the house, that slowly activated the, the latent Judy in her, and that she started to, you know, grow from that, perhaps. It's a possibility, but isn't that kind of a stretch? Why would it have this latency period of, what, 25-plus years? Especially well, why would it, Tom? Bob. That's what we're saying. Mark Frost told us exactly when it happened. It happened in 1958. And that's when she became Judy. Why would well, you but him? that's what he's saying in the book. And you would think that <laughs> if he thought about that and Lynch and Frost discussed it possibly during the, the writing process, why didn't they just, you know, put a name to it? You know, why did they say that that was Sarah as opposed to just girl in the credits and give a little meat up, more meat on the bone with that? I Mystery! Think that, Add to the mystery. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I think that's exactly it. I don't think Lynch wants to put a name to that girl. I think he wants us to dream uh, about it, um, and he's giving us clues. But why superimpose Sarah Palmer's face over the Jumpy Man in Part 15? I mean, the Jumpy Man is not Judy. Judy. We're yes, all talking about Sarah's Judy. What? Maybe it is. Why, how would the jumping man? Be it could Judy? be. She could take many forms. Judy takes many forms. One of them could be the jumping man. They got the same needle nose. 
That's true. Yeah. Needle nose of death. This all goes ties back to like our theories before the season started. <laughs> we thought that that painting was going to play a major role, <laughs> that that was going to be something, and that like we presupposed that like perhaps that painting was going to envelop was that was the convenience store. Once we saw that that actually was a picture of the convenience store, we saw that the wallpaper. We thought that that was implied that that painting itself was going to slowly envelop the entire Palmer house, and that that would have gotten. Sarah there. And so it's a great theory, but it was never, we never saw that. We never even saw the painting in the entire return. <laughs> so the right, that's what we're trying to figure that out. We're trying to, yeah, figure, we're trying that to figure that out, but I think that's what, 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 you know, you were talking about frost putting a name to Sarah and that bug. And we're talking about Lynch being very mysterious and, and letting us as an audience dream, but that's what I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming that since we got Alice Tremont in part 18, in the Palmer home and everything that we saw with Sarah in her home with that painting, that is really another portal to um, that connects to the convenience store because the convenience store, that's the one thing that I really want to, that really uh, was, uh, I wouldn't say an epiphany, but something I never really kind of put together is that when Ray told uh, Mr. C and was it 13 during the uh, arm wrestling scene after the arm wrestling scene that Philip Jeffries was in a place called the Dutchman and uh, but it doesn't really exist or it's not really a place I always just said I always thought that maybe that was just a euphemism for the convenience store but when Mr. C goes in to the convenience store and sees that woodsman and says he's looking for Philip Jeffries, the the electricity, the lightning, as Lynch calls it, goes on, and uh, he, he has this staff in his hands and he he pangs it on the floor almost to kind of signify uh, to another woodsman to lead Mr. C to Jeffries. But that very well may be the initiation of a portal leading to Philip Jeffries and. That might be what the Dutchman's is, the hotel or the room where he is, I wouldn't say imprisoned, possibly imprisoned, but located. And then the convenience store is not the Dutchman. I never really kind of separated the two. Yeah, it's very possible, I think, because it could move around. It could also be like a time travel type thing. You could go into one door and pop out the next door and be in a different time reality or a different part of the world. I agree with that. Right. And then when that electricity goes on with that, uh, with, from that woodsman, that's when we see the jumping man with Sarah Palmer's um, face superimposed in him, over him. And then also in part 17, when Philip Gerard is leading Cooper up the same staircase, we have more electricity, I believe. And then we see the jumping man again descending the stairs before um, they meet Philip Jeffries. And it, it, the jumping man, you know, we're, you know, is so mysterious. We're, you know, kind of, we're thinking that possibly, you know, that's what is inside of Sarah Palmer. But the three scenes that we have of the Jumping Man, there's just one in Firewalk with me, and there's just two real brief glimpses here in season three. But every instance of the Jumping Man is associated with Philip Jeffries. So that is interesting. I'm not saying that he's possessed by the Jumping Man, but there is a strong correlation between Jeffries and the Jumping Man. And I think the Jumping Man somehow might be. Uh, the facilitator. He kind of, of dresses like David Bowie too. He does have kind of like a, yeah. a, a night, but he wasn't he dressed almost exactly like the man from another place in the kind of the red suit and the red kind tie. Kind of a little panache, he had a little Bowie panache, yeah, a little it. panache, right? And but yeah. isn't that what the jumpy man could be? Didn't Lynch uh, tell the actor who was playing him that he was like a talisman come to life? And so it kind of makes sense that this mysterious character within this uh, uh, kind of nowhere place that could really uh, disappear and appear anywhere uh, is somehow the facilitator of these like different portals. And maybe that's what 
the, and that's what I really want to kind of get into here in a second is that what I think that the convenience store, since we first saw it in 1945, and then here we see it, you know, what is that, 60 plus years later in, in you know, uh, season three, what's been going on, I think, is that the convenience store and the woodsman and that, you know, the extreme negative forces, the spirits within, what they've been doing is, is that they've been spreading like a virus to, you know, to use a Twin Peaks phrase, to gobble up or hoard all the pain and suffering of, of, of humankind. And that, I think, is what has been going on and what we're seeing in season three with this chess match with the firemen and 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 Judy, per se, it, it being in her house now, is that the convenience store, over time, seems to have diminished the, like, sanctuaries, maybe, of the firemen, these portals, the one, you know, we had one in London with Freddie, and we had one of the zone, which was not... I, I don't believe that's where Major Briggs was hiding, right? He, he was hibernating, not in the convenience store. It just store. took him to the, yeah, where Briggs was hiding, yeah. Well, I think what happened was is that once the, the, the sooties, the woodsmen, infiltrated that location with Hastings and Ruth and everything, and Briggs ascended and his head came off and uh, Ruth was killed, is that that portal, that zone, was compromised by the sooties, by the woodsmen, and became like another, like a, like a, an, uh, an uh, attachment of the convenience store and that's what they're doing is they're overtaking these firemen sanctuaries maybe these little pocket white lodges where briggs was you know jumping from you know 16 times maybe all those fingerprints maybe that's what it was is that briggs was always one step ahead of all these sooties and they they finally caught up to him in part 16 and that's why his fingerprints uh, appeared at all those different crime scenes that maybe they were associated with other portals um, that became compromised. Yes, yeah, so the convenience store is kind of continuing the job of mother. Like mother was spreading the little evil eggs all over the world. They're continuing to spread the evil eggs. They're like picking up fucked up, inhabited, body snatched lodge people. And then like they're walking, they're leading them into the convenience store and then they're poop, they're dropping them out into another part of the world where they can wreak havoc. And so that's, it's, and it's mysterious. Like think about that. Like, like if Jeffrey's like, we thought maybe he was just trapped in the convenience store forever. No, he's actually trapped in a motel. Like, right. right? Like just, it's just a motel. Like he's like, all these people are really, on earth and instead of being stuck up there. I think that's interesting. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the case. And so wouldn't uh, it be like the, the like the lot, but what about this though? Like the convenience store is kind of like in a way it's like a way station, just kind of like the Nido uh, little space satellite up there with the electrical sockets. It's shooting yeah. in different parts of the world, just yeah. on earth. But does, doesn't it seem to have like kind of a, a, a modus operandi, so to speak? It's like yeah, spread evil, take spread over. evil. And, and the fact that um, we see it first in New Mexico and rock Tom and rock. In rock, what, what spread you, evil and rock, rock out. Oh, spread. Yes, okay, sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little rock, slow. Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, but it, we do. You know the see woods would rock. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we see it first in New Mexico, and then we see it when Mr. C approaches it in Part 15. But that has to be in either Western Montana, Upper Idaho, or Eastern Washington State. Um, so that is a confirmation that it can, and then it disappears after he leaves, that it can appear and reappear pretty much at anywhere. And it made me think of Mr. C um, in the intervening 25 years after, you know, Cooper, you know, uh, went into the lodge and Mr. C exited. He started this, you know, criminal enterprise where, you know, he amassed billions of dollars and has this, you know, team of, of Confederates, the Hutches and the Chantals and, uh, the Duncan Todds and God knows who else. But how was he, other than that one photograph that Albert showed Cole in his swank 80s duds or whatever coming out of his palace in, in, in Rio, uh, how did he not, how was he not detected at any other point 
traveling. He was in South America. He was traveling all over the place. You think there'd be something? Maybe what he was doing is since the convenience store, and he's uh, he's affiliated with it because the the sooties are you know every time he gets shot or whatever, they're right there on Johnny on the spot to help him out. Maybe he's using the convenience store as portals to go to and fro to show up wherever the hell he wants to. And yeah, it's like his travel, his, his yeah. means of travel. Yeah, it's like he gets to fly first class, doesn't have to pay anything. It's probably really good. <laughs> right. it's, like, it's like the ultimate uh, hyperloop. Right, yeah. right. Oh, another interesting thing about that whole thing is when he shows up, Mr. C shows up in the convenience store in part 15, he tells that that woodsman, I'm, I'm looking for Philip Jeffries. And that, you know, we see the jumpy man and maybe the portal opens up to the Dutchman where Philip Jeffries is. But what if he would have said, you know, I'm looking for Judy? Uh, did you think they would have denied him that if they had maybe a portal to and if Judy is say hypothetically within Sarah Palmer in the Palmer house do you think that instead of walking down that long corridor and to the Dutchman's that he would have been led right to the Palmer house no because I don't think if you just ask for Judy they're going to just lead you to Judy I don't think that happens you don't think so no. it's a possibility no she's like the queen bee you got to go, go through layers yeah, but he doesn't know who opinions. Judy is. I think he knows what that experiment is that vomited him, vomited him up in part eight. And I think that's what really he's kind of after. But the name Judy, which was uh, derived from the Jowde, which was you know from the Blue Rose team, even though Cooper kind of knew that, Mr. C seems to be completely uh, you know oblivious or uncertain about Judy's identity. He can't put two and two together which has always been a big uh, mystery to me. Well, yeah, that he was kind of short-sighted. He should have been asking everybody around town who Judy is and not just uh, Philip <laughs> Jeffries because Philip Jeffries was being a little dodgy. Didn't get the right answer. Right. should have asked everyone. Right. should have been like, you've got FBI skills. you got to be thorough. He wasn't thorough. Well, why Example did that number eight million. Yeah. <laughs> why did that me woman when she went to go open the her. door? Yeah. Well, yeah, but why was she speaking in reverse? Yeah, speaking large, backwards. Yeah, I, I have no idea because well, hey, that's a good question, Tom. If you're saying Thank that you. that's like Thank the you. Dutchman, the, and the Dutchman is like a real life place, and the convenience store just takes you there, then how the fuck can she be speaking in reverse in a real life place? I totally agree. And that's then when always. we saw Philip Gerard in Part 17, when he, uh, he was reciting the poem to Cooper right before they were in that same location, it was the only time in the entire season three where he spoke normally. Yeah, so straight why forward. did that? Yeah, yeah. Mystery, what? Tom. Mystery. <laughs> Well, we're trying to we're trying to unlock these. I guess. Well, we got like, why does why is it a contradiction? Well, that's great storytelling, Tom. Your expectations are subverted all the time, and that's really what, what's so great about this this show we live. Right. Well, it's not the black. But I like your theory. But you yeah. kind of like posed a theory and then kind of shot the theory down, isn't it? Didn't you? No, I, I I think I just kind of posited it, but I just really didn't have anything to back it up. Well, okay. Um, that's but good. it's not the black lodge because Mister C cannot return to the black lodge. If that was the black lodge, then. He would have been returned, and he wouldn't have been able to leave again. Um, so, so we're official. I think we agree with that. So you're saying that. So now we can just say that we don't think that the convenience store and the Black Lodge are the same thing. Well, no, I affiliate I, affiliates, but they're not the same. Right. There is an affiliation between the well, two, but they're they're not the same. They're they're different. I think what's happened is is that since Bob has been um, out of the lodge for 25 years, and we've talked about this a little bit. Um, that the the evil of the Black Lodge, really that the kind of darkness that Harry talked about in the woods in the in the first season, which you know we all thought was the Black Lodge because we didn't really know anything about a convenience store. But I think in these twenty five years, the the Black Lodge has become benign, and the convenience store has really, it, you know, 
it's that is the new evil here in season three. I mean, that's where the woodsman, the experiment is affiliated with that. Mr. C is there. Jeffries is, in, you know, seemingly imprisoned there. Um, that is the hub of the evil. And it also, I think, when one of the most striking visuals and one of the most mysterious visuals for me in the entire season three are the two shots of the hallway leading to the Dutchman, that the motel where Jeffries is, and we see that superimposition of the woods while Jeez. they're walking down the hallway. Yeah. Like, what, I mean, is that is that related to Twin Peaks, or is that just related to the woods in general and the dark spirits? That Maybe that's the high? actual hyperloop, like when Cooper flies through space, you know, like in, in Nido, and he's like, oh, doing that. Maybe that's the <laughs> earthly version with the trees, and you're just kind of gliding through the trees to the right. next reality. Well, it's, it's just, for me, it's just interesting that with the Dutchman, where Jeffries is, the same location in Firewalk with me, where Leland met Teresa Banks and was going to have a threesome. Uh, unknowingly, it was, you know, to him, it was Laura and Renette, and he chickened out and took off. That's that same location. And that's got to be near Twin Peaks, near Deer, Deer Meadows, somewhere in Washington State. And also in that same scene, when Leland takes off, the, the Tremont grandson with the mask and the little... Uh, whatever stick that he has starts doing the old jumpy man dance in, in that little parking lot. So there is more than just a, I think a visual that Lynch is showing us where Jeffries resides. I think that it's somehow with the woods and that motel is somehow connected to twin peaks, whether it's characters or the actual uh, town or the surrounding woods itself. That, that's right. As opposed to just some random, shot of woods or some random motel because he could have picked any motel to shoot at he chose that motel for a very specific reason don't you think like uh mrs tremond and like sarah palmer ran into each other at least a few times around town about a million times they probably know each other very well don't you think <laughs> wait before uh yeah they wait, hold, they've known each they've lived in the same town they probably know each other they mrs tremond is a spirit she's not well, shopping at the local no, convenience I think she store does sometimes she shows up don't you think that we've had we, there's been scenes where sarah and mrs tremond have encountered each other well, I think, seen him. yeah, I think, and I would think it would be after the events of the original series um, to the point where we're in season three, but not before him because the Mrs. Tremond, the real world Mrs. Tremond is, uh, resides next door to Harold Smith. She's not as old and she's got those glasses and she's got a heavy like smoker's uh, voice. That is the real Mrs. Tremond. I really think that the Tremonds that we're seeing, or we were, the, the grandmother and the grandson, I really think they're Chalfonts. And Tremond was just the name <laughs> that the... Well, because that was a Mrs. Tremond next door to Harold Smith, right? Yeah, it's just, you know, whatever. Yeah, the same I thing. Never, well, the fire walk with me, it was Chalfont. There was no reference to Tremond. It was Chalfont. Well, I that think any, a, anytime Chalfonts or Tremonts come and, like, try to get a place in my house, the alarms are going off. I don't think, like, the Chalfonts are innocent and the Tremonts are good. or the Tremonts, I think it's all evil. It's all one thing. Right, Tremont, right. Chalfont, bad. Not right. Uh, okay, so Diane, the mysterious Diane, watching that whole part 16 scene that is so great, um, where she's, you know, sending the coordinates again to Cooper. Now, that was interesting, right? So I watched that scene again. She's at the bar, in the Buckhorn Bar, and uh, I think she gets the text and uh, from Mr. C, and that's uh, the all, and... Uh, she goes, oh, I, I remember, and she starts typing in the coordinates. But I think right, I think maybe right after that, she goes, 
oh, Coop, I think, I, I hope this works. Yeah, I hope this and works. And she doesn't say, like, Cooper. She says, like, Coop, like, more of an endearment. Yeah. Now, do you think that is, like, more of, like, Mr. C, that she really still thinks that he's Cooper, or did she knows that she's a Tulpa and there's a real Cooper trapped somewhere? Yeah, that she has to, I thought that she was giving the false coordinates to the Mr. C but to, in order to aid the real Cooper who was trapped out in the world or whatever. But those were the correct coordinates. Were they? Well, the, the ones that... Who gave the wrong to, coordinates? The, Wait, who, the wrong, there were two Ray, coordinates that were wrong, right? And one was right? Yeah, Ray and Jeffries were wrong, and I think the Diane was correct. See, what I think, watching that scene again, was the vacillation of... Because Diane was not evil. She was a, a cross between a saint and a cabaret singer, as, as Coop described her in the autobiography of, of Dale Cooper. So I think because she was a good spirit, even though she was tulpid, that she kind of vacillated between this light and this dark. And we were seeing it all throughout, I think, the series. We were totally, I think, blindsided originally when you know she uh, uh, saw Mr. C, interrogated him, because we, we certainly didn't suspect any kind of a nefarious activity for her in the future or that she might be a tulpa. But in that scene, she really is like vacillating between, I think, good and evil, that she is kind of being hypnotized or directed to help him, but she's also resisting by saying, like, I'm in the sheriff's station and not just taking the gun out and shooting them. So what I'm leading to is the, the tulpa itself, like when she was created, because she was taken to... The convenience store. Right. She calls a gas station, but she was taken to the convenience store. She tells Cole, Albert and Tammy in the room, that it was like three or four years after like she had heard from Cooper. So my thinking is that after uh, Mr. C exited the lodge, he was still in contact with her for some time. Because I think that she would have said that, well, you know, Cooper disappeared, you know, in Twin Peaks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, then I suddenly hear. He probably I took her to she, Brazil on vacation. <laughs> Or Rio, maybe. Right. Well, Rio, yeah. Rio that, maybe she was there at that house. But yeah. I think that that tulpa, um, when she became a tulpa, coincided with the creation of the Dougie tulpa in 1997. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened was two birds, one stone. Her, two tulpas of one stone, Tom. That's pretty good. And her instructions, her first assignment, was to take him to Vegas, set him up, probably let him, you know, uh, or organize a, a meet and greet with Janie E to put him in that that world and like little pocket world. So Mr. C could have that Trump card, you know, it would be like 20 years later, almost 20 years later for when Cooper was going to come out that he'd be told, but back to the black lot. So you think Diane introduced Dougie to Janie? Yeah. That's what I think. That, that makes sense. That's what that ties in. Why would, yeah. Why would she mention? Where do you think they, they met? Like a playing racquetball, like at a hors d'oeuvres, <laughs> like soiree, something. Where was Janie E working in 1997? You think? Yeah. I don't know. Real estate Good question. I don't know. Oh. That's a good question. I don't that's know. Um, but so, yeah, that's I think that is like a, a strong link. I think that's uh, we can kind of infer that that probably happened. And then I think that she probably quit the FBI soon thereafter and then just, you know, became an alcoholic and uh, and started sleeping around and was dealing with that nightmare of that original rape. She was dumbing it out, her reality. She's a tulpa, right? So it's like almost like Get Out, the movie. Like she's got her real self is hidden in there in the sunken place. But the tulpa has, is, is the, the Mr. C mind-controlled tulpa has been, you know, in charge all this time. And that when she starts to break out of it, like it's like, it's like Get Out. She's trying to break free from the, the you know, the, the tulpa controls. That's why she's so Right, perfect. and then 
And then when he took, Mr. C took her to the convenience store, she lived in Philadelphia. So, you know, he probably just took her like somewhere in Pennsylvania, you know, maybe like 30 minutes outside of town and found the nearest, you know, uh, electrical wires or whatever. And that's where the convenience store popped up. He didn't drive to New Mexico. He didn't drive all the way to Washington State or Montana or whatever. That was that's another sign. So why does he drive at all then, Tom? We saw these scenes of him driving in the return. Why even drive? Why not just pop the, 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 the convenience store out at your exact location? Because I think Lynch just loves his driving shots, his driving scenes, <laughs> his POVs. <laughs> Maybe Coop wants to drive too. Could be Coop's into driving. He, he just he knows he could probably handle like the state cops. Do you know he can handle a couple cops? You know, Who, maybe Mr. not the C feds. Or Coop? Mr. C, like he'd have trouble handling like the entire FBI if they're waiting at the airport. But he can handle right. a couple <laughs> cops to pull him over. You know, right? And also, like that brings up an interesting point because of uh, all the connections to um, a lot of Lynch's previous films, but one that I don't think we talked about, which I think ties into the convenience store, not saying that um, it is the convenience store, but it is very similar, is Lost Highway. Remember that cabin um, that yeah. was that burning, I think, in reverse? Mm-hmm. And that whole scene where Pete and Alice have sex in the desert and the song of the siren by this mortal coil is playing, and then Alice walks into the cabin, and then... Uh, and then Pete goes in there, and she's not there. And but there's no escape from her, or there, there was no other place for her to go. She just her, that role, that identity disappeared at that time because uh, uh, what's his name, Fred Madison's reality is breaking down, or not his reality, his dream is breaking down. And the mystery man, a spirit, is in that cabin. And as soon as like he leaves, the Pete Dayton leaves or whatever. Or no, doesn't Fred Madison go into the cabin? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's just it just seems like that cab like like that this, cab is the convenience store, Tom, of Lost Highway. Of Lost Highway That's yeah. what I'm trying to get. Yes, yeah. of Lost Highway. Yeah, and then I also also was thinking of Mulholland Drive, that that creature, you know, that lived behind the Winkies or whatever. Isn't that very similar to a city of woodsman? Oh yeah, absolutely, totally. Yeah. She's like and it has woodsman. that yeah. blue box at the she end, did. like the thing that that manufactured dream world for Betty slash Diane that. That, that monster, that bum, whatever you want to call it, was kind of, I wouldn't say pulling the strings, but somehow maybe manipulating to some extent that reality or that dream. It could be. I never, I, I never thought that extent. she was manipulating the whole thing, but that's interesting, yeah. Well, she no, could be another, she knows, could be a sooty type. Yeah, you're saying, that's what you're saying. <laughs> that there's like a logi in the, yeah, I see it, yeah. They came out of that box, like yeah. at the end. I mean, that's not real. That's not reality. And that's like, I mean. I think I saw somebody on Twitter say that they were thinking about doing like, they're trying to work on like a unified Lynch theory for everything. Like all Lynch movies. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. It's well, uh, oh no. What I was going to say with uh, um, that, that, that creature behind the Winkies is that, that classic scene where uh, Patrick Fischler, that, who played Duncan Todd in season three, he was talking Maybe that really about was that. Duncan Todd. That was his early job. But he died though, didn't he? Well, he just fainted. They didn't. No, did he really die though? I think I read the script and it said that he suffered like a fatal heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) They should have made that more obvious. I did not think that at all. I thought he just fainted and that was it. No, I think that was the whole thing. He just scared him to death. Or something like him like beating (laughs) out his heart because I think that was not. I didn't catch that. Keep the mystery alive. Did you really catch that? The first. uh, Well, not watching it, but like I said, I think I read the script. I think that's what it indicates. But that, he tells his buddy in Winkies that. Whoever that creature is, is like controlling, like his dream, like making all that happen. So it kind of ties into that maybe that's what that creature was doing somehow was associated with Diane's or Betty's uh, dream world. 
Or yeah, so like maybe the city's like got a hold of the the convenience store TARDIS and they just went on a wild like joyride like around the world and that's how you <laughs> lost highway and Mulholland Drive formed. Well, there's our own little unified yeah, Lynch uh, theory that that guy was doing. Boom. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'd never well, thought of that with, before. You just enlightened me. That's good. Well, you know, I had to do a little research before the big show. Yeah, you know, well, so what she got. Um, <laughs> you got? Do you, do you have anything? Do you bring anything up to the? You know, no, I was just. I'm, I'm here for comedy effect. That's it. <laughs> That's I do. Well, uh, okay, all right. So, uh, the, I think what I wanted to talk about next was. Um, oh, oh, just uh, I forgot to mention that the Dutchman itself. Like, you know, it's. I think it's the reference right to the flying, flying Dutchman, Dutchman, the ghost right? ship, right? It's a ghost ship, but it, doesn't it have like a like a ghost crew. Yeah, it, the TARDIS like, is a ghost ship too. I mean, yeah, the, it, the convenience store is a ghost ship. Right, and it can't go, like, it can't, like, uh, go to port, right? It's just, it's all, it's like doomed. Yeah, to, it's always at sea. Yeah, it's always, right. in the, yeah. So, and I know this is not part of the original Flying Dutchman, and, but wasn't there, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Um, yeah. Like, the Jeffrey Rush, was it, didn't he mm-hmm. play, like, Davy Jones, you know, Davy Jones' yeah. locker, mm-hmm. or that other, maybe it was another sequel or whatever, but, um, and so you think parts of the they, Caribbean is also a, a TARDIS, like Lodgy and are you tying that in there? Well, I don't think it, this is yeah. not good. There's one little cities. interesting tidbit. They look like cities, that, the pirates, yeah. But, but Davy Jones, and if that was the Flying Dutchman in that series, Davy Jones was that one of those characters, the lead, you know, baddie or whatever. Isn't that David Bowie's real name, David Jones? Oh, holy shit. Davy Jones Locker, yeah. So maybe like Mark Frost like took his kid to go see the Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. And uh, just was kind of ha, 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 and made like a mental note. And then they were like, wait, you know, David Bowie's dead. How do we go ahead and, uh, you know, integrate him into the story because, you know, he's part of it. And they come up with the whole Dutchman thing. And it's a little kind of little nod, maybe, possibly. Sure, that he's the Dutchman. That's a very, that's a little Easter egg. You got to drill down to figure that out. But yeah, okay. I like it. (laughs) Because also, you know, the Dutchman is also like a, um, it's like, it's also like a term. Like I looked it up, like the definition of a Dutchman is a piece of wedge inserted to hide the fault in a badly made joint to stop an opening which is very interesting that hmm. just those three words to stop an opening that maybe that somehow that Jeffries what he was doing was trying to you know find Judy and maybe stop Judy and he was presumably placed in this machine as Lynch uh, uh, calls it to stop him from opening stop the opening for him to go to all like portal jumping to continue his quest and maybe it is the jumpy man who is responsible for imprisoning jeffries to protect judy because jeffries was hot to find judy traveling back and forth in time collecting information spying on one of the meetings above the convenience store and even though he's still able to communicate with the outside world namely ray and before albert and mr c that maybe the information he's giving is being manipulated he may think he's parsing out correct information, but it's going through the filter of the spirits that are holding him captive. Hence, it's slippery in here. Yeah, do you think with the cities come in and like serve him breakfast and lunch and bed and the whole thing, and he's like really like persnickety, complaining, like throwing food back at him? I would love to see that scene. What you mean, like with the? Well, you <laughs> didn't you think that Jeffrey was serving him breakfast? Yeah, really the machine, but he was that the orb. Yeah, the I thought orb, that, right? I thought somebody else thought that. But yeah, I thought because that's what the machine is actually blowing the smoke, so that we can actually see the orb, and the orb is able to communicate with us because the orb is very much like all the other orbs we see, gold orbs and black orbs, and you know he's an orb himself. That's his fate. I don't think he's in the machine. Right. Right. No, I, I agree. I think it's pot- like why ha- was but that? Then why only- stay in the, Why stay in that room? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it comfortable for an orb? 
seems that Orb would be able to fly free or like you have more, you know, want some more space. Well, wasn't he also like, why chairs? Like, why lamps? What was a motel room, right? Yeah. And then didn't the wall like like slide away and like kind yeah. of disappear? Yeah. And, and yeah, so see, was, Tom, that doesn't mean that it's a real place. It looks like that's not a real place. The Dutchman's wherever they go, it doesn't seem real. Well, I know it's not. It's it's not a real place. That bosomy woman was speaking backwards. It's like, but it is it's a different reality of what. A different. It's. It, I don't know. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's part of the convenience store. But I think it maybe it's a different reality of the actual Red Diamond City Motel from Firewalk with Me that we talked about earlier, and. All the connections, like we were seeing, like Firewalk with Me played such a huge role in season three, but not until pretty much like the last several episodes. Like really, I think the first time that we got really like any like visual from Firewalk with Me was when Cole opened the door and saw the the crying Laura face. And other than that, we really just it was the Blue Rose thing. That's all. But the last three or four hours, it like pedal to the metal Firewalk with Me so much so that we got the whole like Flashback. five minute scene with James and and, and, and Laura in, in the woods or whatever. So I think there's a like I, was I love that earlier, scene so much better than the first scene, the actual scene. What do you mean like the first? So the one actually I saw in Firewalk with Me. Not as good. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about the scene with James and yes, Laura in Firewalk with Me? Yeah. On the bike? Yeah. And then the one in season three was much better, right? I love the one in season three. Yeah. The one that's It's all context, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all context. It's so what he's doing is, is that he's, I mean, we've talked about this, is that, and I think the reason why that season three wasn't as successful with a lot of the, like, the original fans of, of, of the first two seasons uh, was because it felt like more like a direct sequel to Firewalk with Me. And we all know that Firewalk with Me was met with almost universal like revulsion. I mean, like so much. <laughs> they got booted can. He was booted. They got booted can. I took you to see that second showing that same day. You were like, <sighs> I had to drag you kicking and screaming. You're like, dude. Well, it's what are two you times doing? in the in the first day. The first time was in one's enough for a while. That was all. But it's Firewalk with Me. It was excruciating. But, yeah. I was in denial for a little bit. It took me a while to kinda of, I mean I I liked a lot of Firewalk with Me, but it, it, it I was. I love it now, but I still have a hard time watching it all the way through. I almost have to do it in two stops. <laughs> What's the stopping point for you? What's the middle the stopping point? <laughs> What's the middle? Like what? I don't just know. like the middle part. But yeah, I never can get through it. There's just so much, like just kind of just uh, Leland and Laura and just her freaking out and just the torment. It gets to be too much. It's still it's still well, a lot. That's it, and I think that's why it was not popular with the fans and audience and critics is because it was as uh laura said in the missing pieces about donna like you know it was a downer it, it really was it, it really amped up the the molestation the abuse and the darkness of laura and, and removed all the mystery of don't of you think if, if there were the whole judy thing with sarah if this was, had been in their minds this entire time that there would have been some sort of something in firewalk with me is there anything that we can look back on and go indications that uh, sarah is judy no, there's nothing. 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 There's nothing. You can't use your brain to figure something out? Can't you do some like you know, up. <laughs> creative <laughs> mental gymnastics? <laughs> the horse? That's the something. only thing. The two things, the horse. You saw it in the original series. You saw it in Firewalk with me. We see the horse in the Black Lodge, and we see the horse outside of the Judy's Diner. But um, we always thought that was Troy the Pony. But, you know, it's, it's a symbol for death. It has all these other... What about like, when she's freaking out at the last, when she's like, Dale Cooper is in the Lodge? Like, you know, that's... That could be an indication that there'd be some Judy in her. She's yeah, but she goes to normal. Major Garland Briggs, the beacon of light, and holds his hands. And it's like, That's I've true. got a message for Why you. I need to help that? you. Would be a trap? Because a you... trick? A trick? Because it was... Hey, come on. The reality well, it worked. Is... It was a trick because, well, I guess nothing. Yeah. 
Who was she no, trying to do? Trying reality, to get, yeah, Mitchell Briggs to go into the lodge? Why would she? Who is she telling? No, she wanted to. He was all, he was like all snugly with uh, with Betty. They were eating their pie. He had just uh, come off his haloperidol high. And Jacoby uh, brings her. Jacoby brings her, and he's like totally oblivious. And she's like, no, 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 no. We got problems here. I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper. And so he's the guy. Like him and Hawk are really kind of the only ones who really kind of know what the hell is going on. So she goes to Briggs. That's the reason why. They cut to a reaction shot of Briggs like nodding, like affirming, going, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. It's great. It's a great close-up of him. But uh, So before he could go do anything, Wyndham Earl gets him. Wyndham Earl gets. Briggs. Well, he was, yeah, he was going to, I can't remember what it was that he was going to do something. Um, related to the the cave it was all about like trying to stop Earl and try to find the uh, the location to uh, the Black Lodge or the White Lodge whatever and then uh, the old horse Leo and uh, and Wyndham Earl showed up and or and Haloperidol uh, uh, Major Briggs and then he was in you know he was in a stupor for a couple episodes but I digress um, no the, Sarah no there's nothing she was spooky and I think she was spooky because oh there you, know, you go spooky Tom there it is it's all we need to know. I mean, she was spooky. She well, think of this also. We visions. could say, okay, that, Lee, that Bob was like, he wanted to have fun with uh, Laura all to himself, and so he just drugged the fuck out of Judy the entire time. She was drugged the whole time. She was out of it. That's why she was out of it. Like, the Judy didn't know what was going on because Bob had uh, Sarah trapped and had Sarah under his thumb. Yeah, but Judy on the evolutionary chart is ahead of Bob. I mean, Judy would be like the female. She's maybe the, only now. Maybe, maybe Bob had more power back in the day. He's lost no, some, but she came. Bob came out of Judy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I mean the whole thing with Sarah being. Well, Tom, it's all bullshit then. Fuck it. No, no. It. What I'm saying is that maybe the reason why she was so spooky was because she had been with Leland for what 25 years and having <laughs> sex with Leland and Bob, and that all kind of rubbed all those little like uh, experiences made her like that's the whole thing. That's why she had the vision of Bob because she was sleeping with Bob every fucking night. That's the whole thing, or it could just be something that. Do you think uh, she was rape? He was raping her too, right? It well, makes I mean, sense. Like, but it was his wife. I mean, well, maybe you like could, you know. You still do it. Yeah, too. yeah. Well, yeah. There's Eat. some there, that. That's what's so Ooh. like the, the Twin Peaks. Behind, Judy wouldn't have like, that. The, You're right. Judy wouldn't. No, Judy wouldn't that. have any of that. So that's the whole thing. And and come on, when they were uh, creating this whole series, they they didn't know. I mean, they couldn't envision 25 years later. A, se- a season three they, they didn't know so you have your first season is like its own you know kind of thing and it's second season and Firewalk with me in season three and there's going to be inconsistencies but it's kind of built into the mythology because what we're talking about of black lodges all these you know these these the spirituality this mythology of, of good and evil we're talking about time travel we're talking about living inside dreams so that's why we can still talk about the things that happen in season one and tie it together even though Lynch and Frost couldn't conceive of tying all this together back then but they that's just a testament to how well they created this mythology and the themes because it really does come down to the theme I think of, of duality of good and evil light and dark embodied first by Laura Palmer and and then by Dale Cooper well it's also a testament to how many open threads they left <laughs> that we can create our own choose your own adventure yeah. explanations for anything based on all the many open threads and questions that they posed out there well, I mean, just look at Lynch's Orvois is that his greatest works of art, in my opinion, are the ones that are open to interpretation. I think it's Eraserhead. I think it's uh, Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway. The, the anomaly of that would be Blue Velvet. I mean, that, I think, is a real conventional like narrative, and I still think it's his best film. But with that being the exception, 
uh, you know, he leaves uh, the audience room to dream. And I think he just put the pedal to the metal and turned it to 11 here in season three. And I think that was so deliberate. I think that's why it took him four years to write it. I, that's why some people like, all, it was like lazy writing and storytelling characters show up and they never uh, reappear again and all these dangling threads. I don't think that's lazy storytelling. I think it was done deliberately. It's just that we're so conditioned as audiences watching our TV shows, the golden age of television, for everything makes sense and it has to fit into the puzzle piece and what, but we didn't get that. And that's not Lynch's uh, modus operandi. Yeah, because almost every, every time you see a great show, you, the mystery's built up and you get the answer, you're like, yeah, yeah. So he just he cuts that out of the equation. It, right? yeah. You move on to the next yeah. thing, right? He's moving yeah. on to the next thing. Exactly. He leaves it all open. So we just have like a big pile of mystery to mull over for the rest of our lives. Right, and the fact that season, the first two seasons endured for 25 years, even though there were some lean times where Twin Peaks you know, wasn't in, you know, I think a, a kind of a mass public consciousness. Not that it really ever was, but there were some real lean years uh, after Firewalk With Me um, up until, I think, the early 2000s. But um, it came back because of the storytelling of the characters, the uniqueness of... Um, of the world of Twin Peaks and the art of, of David Lynch, the directorial style, um, which is, uh, you know, I, I think unequaled. I just think that he is, uh, I think he's our, our, our greatest living director and, and one of the best great, uh, directors of all time. But now with season three, we got 18 hours, almost the equivalent of what we got in season two. Um, and all of the, all of these rabbit holes, all of these mysteries and these, these threads that you mentioned, these open threads, I, we can talk about it, you know, till the end of time, even more so than the original series. For another twenty-five years, you think? Till we're dead? Well, I don't you think mean? I'm going to make it that long, but I'll, I'll, I'll go as long as I can. I'll oh, give myself God. about fourteen years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, against the old gene pool, my friend, not wasn't blessed. You know, maybe I can uh, I can uh, beat the odds, but uh, but we'll see. But I'll still be talking Twin Peaks. Oh, oh, another thing I want to talk about. We got a little time here, right? Where are we at? About forty-five minutes? Oh yeah, got plenty of time. Okay, so I think. I talk, I brought this up, but I didn't like finish it, or I went off on another tangent. But that striking visual of the hallway uh, connecting the convenience store to uh, the motel, the Dutchman, with Philip Jeffries and the uh, the superimposition of, of the woods. And I think I was talking about like, well, that could be any woods, or maybe it is related to the woods surrounding Twin Peaks because of the actual location of the motel, which is in close proximity to Twin Peaks because of the scene in Fire Walk With Me. But maybe that's why we got those scenes. That's why Jerry Horn and Steven and Gersten um, are in the woods having freakouts. Now, granted, they're both altered. Everyone's altered up on drugs, you know, so they're, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I think that what they're experiencing uh, is uh, their experiences are being influenced by a darkness, by an unseen presence. And I think that if this was the original series that we would be, we'd be talking about Scorched Engine Oil and the Black Lodge. But I think it's the convenience store. And that's where I think everything was leading to, like, the well, It has to be house. both, right? I mean, it can't just be the – because I mean, obviously the Black Lodge, Jackrabbit's Palace, and all that stuff's out there, right? No, I, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But do, doesn't it seem like – okay, so we have – Philip Gerard and the evolution of the arm, really the only spirits that we see in, other than Laura briefly in, in, in the black lodge. Um, and then we have Island. the, the white lodge, presumably the fireman's mansion. Um, they're both, they, they both seem to have the same, uh, goals in mind, right? To stop Mr. C and or Judy. 
I mean, they both, it's like almost like they're working in tandem, but they're not working in tandem, maybe because they're, they balance each other out in the grand scheme of things, right? Uh, the White Lodge really doesn't exist with the Black Lodge and, and vice versa. And Bob maybe was the anomaly. He was the grand evil that really kind of tipped the scales. And that's why the fireman uh, or the giant in the original series came to Cooper to help him to kind of stop Bob. But maybe what we're getting now is with the, uh, the, 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 the convenience store and the mythology of that and the expansion of that and all the mysteries related to that, and that it's spreading like a virus and maybe overtaking these these portals, these firemen sanctuaries and maybe other portals related to the Black Lodge, that they're both freaking out that what the convenience store is, maybe wind, well, maybe the end, end goal of the convenience store is to take over the White Lodge and the Black Lodge and to make everything dark. And maybe that's why the Black Lodge and the White Lodge are maybe kind of working, not hand in hand, but together to stop that. Well, I felt like the Black Lodge and the like, – I mean, obviously when Bob was, was king of the Black Lodge, like they were at odds, I would think, the White Lodge and the Black Lodge. But now that Bob has gone rogue, it seems like they are, they're tired of uh, his antics in the Black Lodge and that that's why they're only teamed up to, like, stop Mr. C and Bob. That's really the only reason to be affiliates, right? Well, yeah, like, I else? agree. Yeah. Well, I mean, but isn't that, – I mean, that's a pretty big thing, right? Isn't it? Yeah. I mean – but I, mean, I haven't seen any indication that the, the convenience store was anything other than just like an extension of the evil. I, I, I don't necessarily think that there's a because who's really in charge of the convenience store? You know I'm saying like who's like Judy or like do you think Judy's pulling using the convenience store to pull up a, a, a coup on the black and white lodge or something like that? Well, that's what I'm thinking is that that is maybe what the goal is. Is I mean don't I mean if evil came to this world in the guise of this experiment and Bob we know evil existed but just in the world of Twin Peaks this grand evil came to our realm in 1945 that its goal would be on this planet would be like total darkness and evil I mean that's what evil does I mean evil doesn't compromise evil just wants to be evil for the sake of evil and it knows nothing else the Black Lodge kind of has this kind of hierarchy right and uh, you know you have like there's moments in the Black Lodge when we we have rules. We, a we see the little. Mi- <laughs> there's got to be the handbook for the recently deceased. Yeah, there's got to be a handbook for the lodge. A little Beetlejuice reference there, but um, no. But then the little man, the man from another place, is seemingly he like is seemingly helping Cooper at at sometimes. Other times he's very impish and mischievous. But it's not like pure darkness until it goes full doppelganger mode on the second half of the the Black Lodge scenes in the original ending of season two. Uh, there are moments where we see we see the giant, we see Senior Drool Cup. Um, yeah, it's you know, kind so of not There's dancing, right? Coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're from the birds sing a pretty song. So Kissing. maybe what it is is isn't it kind of like a whole like uh, Lucifer was an angel and he was cast out and then you know and started you know hell and whatnot. I'm not really kind of up on my uh, Christian mythology, even though I was raised such. But maybe that's kind of what it is. Maybe the black and white lodges were harmonious at one point and there was a falling out and there was, you know, this whole like harvesting of Garmin Bazia, the pain and suffering, and the giant was trying to balance it out. But the, for the result of the Trinity test and seeing the experiment, this grand evil and the Bob bubble and the innumerable eggs and seeing what it did to that little girl in, in New Mexico and just to see the, the, the darkness that lies within the convenience store and it being able to seemingly appear anywhere and, and to have maybe unlimited powers and, and, and portals and transporting and maybe even going back and forth in time, that maybe that's what that, if it's affiliated with Judy, maybe that's the goal is the total destruction 
of that white and the white and black lodges and it just being the convenience store what if earth became one big convenience store maybe that's the goal yeah the convenience store was formed right because we were evil enough to create the bomb and kill each other and be you know to be dark and we conjured the darkness and that's it so like our yeah. the mankind's evil ends up destroying like the concept of heaven and hell right and isn't it kind of a, a poetic that here it is. It's called a convenience store. It's a convenience to us. We go into this store um, and but to buy our goods. they have great slushies, Tom. I wonder what their slushies are. Like. <laughs> I wouldn't but, eat their uh, Slim Jims, though. God knows what those are made I, of. I never did jerky. I never, yeah. never. I, you know, I don't think I've ever eaten jerky in my entire life. You I've never stepped into a Slim Jim? Those are different. I didn't grow They're up in, in, in the South. I mean, I, well, I spent my adolescence in the yeah. South, but yeah, no, not jerky. But um, but no, a convenience store is something that we're all familiar with. It's like, you know, it's consumerism. We all go in there, but above the convenience store, that's where the spirits reside, and that's where kind of the evil is. It's it's right there. It's hovering. And, and, and maybe, like I was saying, that that's what it is. The end game is to have like a convenience store-shaped earth that is completely dark and evil. Well, it's working. It's taking over the White House. We're sinkholes. <laughs> Everything. It's going bad. Yeah. What if, like, what if, like, okay, if Bob was like an angel and was cast out like Lucifer, and that he created the Black Lodge, which is hell, and that the White Lodge is heaven, and that Mother, born, or is the one that cast him out in Episode Eight. We saw her vomiting him out of heaven. Then maybe Judy is actually not evil, but she's good. What makes us think that Judy is evil? Well, I think because like Bob and all the eggs. Well, but but if she her. was like you know ha- maybe she was the goddess casting her, him well, out of heaven, saying. you know what I'm saying, I out of the lodge saying. in that theory, so that well, that would what? would essentially would make her good possibly. Well, maybe not good, but maybe not as evil as like Bob, right? Because remember when the fireman was watching she the has events? Ethics, yeah. uh, she has he she has morals. Yeah. But remember when the fireman was watching. The, uh, the the explosion, the atomic explosion, the Trinity test, mm-hmm. and he paused his little screen on the Bob bubble. He didn't pause it on that experiment. You would think that if that experiment was the embodiment of like you know of evil, that okay, that's yeah, what I got to stop. And yeah. Judy, but no, he goes, it's Bob. So maybe you're right. Maybe there's something. Maybe the experiment is kind of like a Lucifer has some good qualities, um, but was cast out. Or, you know, maybe had, you know, uh, plans of, of her own. And that's why she's floating through the universe and just comes to Earth. But she's picked up, you know, her Beelzebub or whatever, her Bob, uh, to do all of the Garmin Bozia hoarding. And he's just gone rogue. He loves the pleasure. Yeah, she's the mom, like, coming, like banging on the door in episode three, trying to get the son back because he's been a bastard. To punish I him. I like that. To cast that's, him out. I never, I never thought about that. that I, think you, I think you might be onto something. You want to expound on that a little bit more? Well, no, I'm just wondering, like, because I was thinking, like, what actually has made us, uh, you know, assume that Judy is evil? Like, what what have even been the mentions in the show of Judy? And don't talk uh, about Judy and all this. I mean, that's that's really, it's just, it, I think it might, it could be, you could interpret it that way, possibly. Well, doesn't Cole tell Albert that an extreme negative force, Judy Jaude? I think that's what Oh, there it is. Yep. No, I think it's evil. But that is mind. just, hey, Cole that's can't be just... Wrong. What? <laughs> no, I think What's you're right. Lynch, I was right? just kind of like, uh, just kind of, uh, just throwing that out there. But I think no, I right. like it because I mean that's like that's like with Cooper or Mr. C saying like I'm supposed to be pulled into what they call the Black Lodge. So called Black Lodge. That's just what the so called Black Lodge. That's just what humans <laughs> call that place, and that's what seems like kind of mocking. And the whole and Cole is a human, and 
they're just ascribing this evil to this name Judy. But um, it's our interpretation of it. I don't think it's necessarily correct. That well, it would kind of tie into like, okay, so how could they live in, in that house for 25 years together? And then if Bob, okay, if Bob got into Leland somehow, being cast out, but then like the orb, like uh, they shot down the orb, and maybe Judy was an approval of that as well, that uh, it ended up in Sarah, so that the, the good was in Sarah trying to fight the evil in Leland. And that's, that would make more sense of the two of them living together in the same house for 25 years. And then he drugged yeah, the good. But- he drank the game. Yeah, but we could also say that, you know, after the events of the original series with Laura and Leland being dead, but Sarah was so, you know, grief stricken and it's the whole like pain and suffering is that she was vulnerable to the spirits. And if there was that painting, I'm going back to the painting. I'll always go back to the painting because it looks very nice. on. Even though it wasn't in season three at all, Tom. Even though it wasn't Isn't that in kind of ballsy to do that? Like it's a little bit, you know, it takes a little moxie. I would say it's ballsy. It's just the kind of an obsession. That was such a great, I mean, it's almost. What if you like had a chance to ask Lynch? Like, so what about the, 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 he's like, what, what, what painting? (laughs) The fuck are you talking about? (laughs) You give the whole theory. (laughs) Who are you? How'd you get on set? Get him off. Yeah. I think, what if he said that? I think if we were to say like, Hey, we're the guys from choppy, chopping wood inside. We wouldn't get through chopping without him, like cutting us off completely. Cause if he heard, I like him to say, is there something I can help you with? I'd like to hear him say that. (laughs) We're doing everything that I think that he hates. Like I think, you know, he doesn't want to put like meaning to anything. And here we are discussing it, but we're such fans yeah. and we love it so Did much. Did you hear the like, guy that interviewed him was like, like, so what about season four? He's like, I do not discuss that. That's it. Yeah. Better than him saying like dead as yeah. a doornail, right? Yeah. So that he's not, doesn't say it's dead. He's saying he's not discussing that. Well, doesn't that kind of leave the door a little bit ajar? It's a little ajar. The convenience store. A door a to jar. the convenience store from that painting. Yeah, so a year later, we've got a little door ajar. We're excited about that. Any uh, last thoughts for this week? Yeah. So I wanted to say like, you know, the whole thing, it's in our house now, that whole line from the fireman. Yeah. Um, what, I mean, if I was to ask you, what do you think that meant or what maybe location he was talking about? What would you say? Uh, I think the evil is in our house. Judy's back in our house. I don't know where the hell they were, but I thought that maybe like when he was stuck in the lodge for 25 years that he popped up to see the giant and they hung out, had some coffee, and that he would be able to move between the white and the black lodge and that at some point that's how that happened. But well, I don't what know. If, I have no idea. <laughs> well, what if since it's a mystery. we know the whole thing with that Laura being uh, kind of a creation or at least the Laura orb being a creation of the fireman seen in part eight, that that maybe they're like kind of a collective and she really does kind of embody, I think maybe all that maybe is good in this world or the symbol of it is perhaps. And maybe by saying like it is in her house now, if that evil is now in the convenience store, um, which is like the Palmer home and what the giant is being able to see events in the future that he knows that what Cooper is going to eventually bring Laura to the Palmer home. And that very well may be a mistake because it being that evil is in our house now, meaning Laura and the firemen, like their house, because they are one and the same. Because it also like made me think about the original series when we first see the giant. Like he shows up to Cooper in our favorite episode, the second season premiere, and he says to he gives him all the clues and he's like, he we shoots a golden orb into him all as well. these things. He shoots a golden orb into him. But maybe since what is Cooper doing? Cooper is there to solve the murder of Laura Palmer. And he is visited by the fireman, the person who created basically the symbol of Laura Palmer, and that somehow together, like Laura is always a part of the giant slash fireman, that 
that, that it gives a deeper meaning to those fireman scenes or the giant scenes in the original series that since Laura is connected to him, that Laura wants her murder to be solved. She doesn't want Leland slash Bob to kill eventually Maddie and maybe go after Donna and God knows who else. So whenever he's talking, it's almost like it's like Laura talking as well because she is a part of him. So who's in the house then? So she's the one asking Cooper, it's in our house now? Like who, then who's in the house? Well, it's it's what we've been talking about all night, and and so that, I, I really think that. What See, I thought you were going to say was that the, you know what's in our house. It's actually the convenience stores in our house. That's going to say. That's that. what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was leading up. Good, to Good, because you know like that this. ties the whole uh, hour together, Tom. So let's let's hear that. You actually took all of my words and kind of summed it up like very concisely, which you always do, and I thank you. But that is that exactly what I'm talking about, like really kind of like coalescing and tying everything together is that the Palmer house, it really is the house of horrors. It was the house of horrors for Laura Palmer, Laura Palmer growing up. And it is the house of horrors, certainly in, in, in season three. And it's, it's our final shot of the series before the, the classic whisper over the end credits. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing here is, is that the convenience store, it, the, the, that iconic moment in part eight, the creation of it from our own, disastrous uh, creation of this uh, this massive this weapon of mass destruction that here it is now um, the Palmer the Palmer home is now the embodiment of that uh, convenience store and the mother of Laura Palmer herself is possessed by a very malevolent spirit of the convenience store the jumpy and, van and it makes sense that in the 25 years that we saw Twin Peaks, you know, that we were gone, we only had these little pockets of light, you know, of, of, of Nadine finally uh, giving Ed his freedom and Ed and Norma becoming, um, you know, it, it, their, their love finally being able to blossom and, and, and their, you know, and marrying. And little moments here and there of light, but it's all been really darkness. I mean, there's a, a, a overwhelming dread over the community of Twin Peaks. And not only since Laura died, um, but now, because I think of the Palmer home itself, right there in Twin Peaks is that house of horrors. Yeah, the convenience um, store is in our house now. All the convenience sense. store is in our house now. I really think that, that that is kind of what he was going for, maybe that was what he was trying to tell Cooper, because it was all related to Part 18, all those clues. It was related to Richard and Linda 430, and it is in our house now. He's telling him. Yeah, the convenience store ising of the world, that makes sense, right? You know, all the, like, you know, dumpy... Uh, chain stores and everything you see around the world, everything has been convenience stored, the entire planet. On that note, I like it. I think that was a good summary and a good theory uh, episode for our one-year anniversary of uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us for however many many episodes have we done, Tom? (laughs) I think this one will be 53. It's a lot of hours. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Go to sleep We're so tired now all together in a snake pit of souls New days Though you change the way Try to hang your hopes all the way